Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, friends, and welcome back to this week's Heart of Dating Select episode. Now, I've been brainstorming the best ways to serve you in this season, and I realized something. We have some incredible content that I think will really encourage you in this season. And because there are so many of you that are new here in the Heart of Dating community, whether you just discovered us or maybe you joined a few months ago but haven't really heard our past episodes, I decided I wanted to give you a chance to listen to an episode that could be really timely for you right now in this moment. At the same time, if you've been here for a while, if you are a Heart of Dating OG, this, this series, the Heart of Dating Select, could be an epic refresher for you on some of our past content. So what I did was I went back through the Heart of Dating archives to bring back some episodes that are really going to serve you in this season. These episodes have been hand-selected by me, which is why we call the series the Heart of Dating Select series. And as I went through some of our past episodes, I saw a fun trend. Some of our top episodes happen to be about things to do with the intersection of faith and mental health, featuring some of the epic doctors and experts we've had on the show. So this Heart of Dating Select series will run over the next several weeks, and within these episodes, you will hear from doctors and experts as you become equipped to tackle things such as dating anxiety, trauma, attachment style, love languages, soul ties, codependency, love addiction, and so much more. So friends, don't tune out these next few weeks. This content is going to sincerely help you. On that note, you have likely heard me say this before, but you know that you know that you know by now that in today's age, I am less concerned with seeing your credit score and more concerned with seeing your receipt from your therapist. (laughs) You may think I'm joking, but I'm not. You guys, all I mean is that I have dated far too many unhealthy people and also myself have been really toxic in the past. And more than ever, I today value mental health and how that can partner with the intersection of faith. You probably heard me talk about faithful counseling before, and the reason is because it is so amazing. We have gotten such great feedback from literally hundreds of you guys who currently use faithful counseling. It offers an affordable option for a virtual Christian therapist, and for Heart of Dating listeners, you get a 10% discount on your first month of faithful counseling when you sign up through the Heart of Dating by going to getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. Hundreds of people in our community have tried it and loved it, and you should try it too. All right, guys, on today's Heart of Dating Select episode, we are hearing from the one and only Dr. Gary Chapman, who wrote the best-selling book, The Five Love Languages. Gary Chapman came on the show to celebrate our 100th episode of Heart of Dating back in the fall of 2020. And I got to admit, you guys, I totally geeked out when he said yes to being on the show. The Five Love Languages has honestly been so amazing and transformed my life and my relationships in so many ways. It's impacted the way I show up both in platonic and romantic relationships. 
It's a simple and yet powerful tool that is so helpful to understanding both yourself and others. And today I asked Dr. Chapman many questions I never thought I'd ever find the courage to ask him. What do you do if someone's love language is different than yours? What if it's hard for your partner to show up in your love language? How do you tell someone in a dating relationship your love language needs without coming off as needy? How do you fight against some of the negative thoughts and stigmas of some of the love languages? And guess what, you guys? I even proposed a sixth love language to Dr. Gary Chapman. Okay, yep, I even had the boldness to do so, and it was so fun. Dr. Gary Chapman is an author, speaker, pastor, and counselor, and has a passion for people and for helping them form lasting relationships. Chapman is a well-known marriage counselor and director of marriage seminars. The Five Love Languages is one of Chapman's most popular titles, topping various bestseller charts for years, selling over 13 million copies, and has also been on the New York Times bestseller list continuously since 2007. Chapman has been directly involved in real-life family counseling for more than 30 years, and his nationally syndicated radio programs air nationally on Moody Radio Network and over 400 affiliate stations. You can get more information by visiting www.5lovelanguages.com. All right, y'all, get ready for this incredible Heart of Dating select episode featuring the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Gary Chapman, as we talk about the five love languages. I'm so excited. Gary Chapman, welcome to Heart of Dating today. Well, thank you, Kate. It's good to be with you. (laughs) It is so awesome. I just cannot tell you, Gary, I am so grateful to have you on the show today. And you didn't know this probably, but actually this today, when we are launching this, it is our 100th episode of the Heart of Dating podcast. So we are celebrating it by also getting the honor of having you on the show. So thank All you. All right. Well, <laughs> wonderful. Well, congratulations on 100. Yeah. Thank you so much. It is so surreal. But, you know, Gary, you are just a legend. Your work is so transformative. It has been in my life. I don't think that something goes by without me talking about relationships and bringing up the five love languages and the work that you've done in that literature. So I would love if you could just share a little bit, just a brief overview. We have lots of things to talk about today in a short amount of time, but I'm sure a lot of people know about them, but if they don't, would you be able to just give a small overview for them? Yeah. uh, Basically it's uh, five ways to express love on an emotional level so that you're meeting that deep emotional need that all of us have to feel loved by the significant people in your life. And uh, the reality is that what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. So what I'm saying is we each have a love language and you have to speak their love language. So here are the five, in no particular order. Uh, Words of affirmation, using words to affirm the other person. You can focus on the way they look, you focus on something they did for you, You can focus on a personality trait, but you're simply using words to affirm them. Uh, There's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can kill people and give them life by the way you talk to them. So words of affirmation. Uh, Another one is acts of service, doing something for the other person. Uh, Anything that might be helpful to them, helping them with their computer, you know, helping them uh, with anything, just doing something for the other person. There's an old saying that says, actions speak louder than words. If this is your love language, then actions will speak louder than words. (laughs) So acts of service. And then there's gifts. 
It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. My academic background before I studied counseling was uh, cultural anthropology. Uh, we've studied cultures all over the world, and we've never found a culture where gift giving is not an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. Look what they got for me. And the gift doesn't have to be expensive. We've always said, it's the thought that counts. But I remind people, it's not the thought left in your head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in your head. Okay. Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> uh, so gifts. And then there's quality time. Giving the person your undivided attention. I don't mean sitting on the couch watching TV together. Unless, of course, after the TV's over, you're talking to each other about what you just watched. That can be the quality time part. Uh, you know, we, we say a lot today about uh, multitasking. <laughs> right. But if you're you know, texting someone while you're talking to someone else, what you're communicating is whomever this is on the text is more important than you. No, quality time is they have your undivided attention. And then number five is physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. Long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. So the simple idea is that out of those five, each of us has what I call a primary love language. One of those speaks more deeply to us emotionally than the other four. We can receive love in all five, but one of them is gonna speak more deeply. And if you don't speak a person's primary love language, they will not feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the other languages. And that's why people often miss each other. They're sincere, they're loving the other person, but they're not connecting because they're not speaking their love language. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Actually, I do have a follow-up question about that too in just a second. I'm curious before we get, even get into that to know, Gary, what is your love language? <laughs> Words of affirmation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so if this interview goes well, you tell me how good I did, okay? Okay. You <laughs> I love it. You know what? You're going to get that because my number one love language is also words of affirmation. All right. So, all right. <laughs> and that's actually my next question is, is it true that you often show others love in the love language that is your primary love language? Yes. By nature, if you don't know anything about love languages, by nature, you will speak love to the other person in the way that makes you feel loved. That is, you speak your own love language. Now, there's about 25% of the people that that is not true. And uh, here, here's why, I think. Let's say a father taught a son uh, to give gifts. Always give gifts to the ladies. Always give gifts to the ladies. So he gets in a dating relationship. What's he going to do? He's going to give her gifts because his father taught him. It's not that he wants gifts. It's not his love language, but it's what his father taught him to do. But, but, but basically, uh, our love language, that is what makes us feel loved, will be the uh, love language we will normally use to express love to the other person. That's why we often miss them. Yeah, that's actually my next thing. So I actually pulled our Heart of Dating audience to just see, okay, y'all, you've heard of the five love languages, the amazing Gary Chapman's coming on. What do you want to ask him? And so overwhelmingly, this next question was probably the most popular about compatibility. And obviously, this is a dating podcast. We're always talking about figuring out if this is going to be the person you want to spend your life with. So let's talk about two people with different love languages. So my love language, for example, is words of affirmation. Let's say I'm with someone who's there may be quality times and um, words of affirmation is not their strong suit at all. It's not even like two, three, four, five, you know, it's like number yeah. five or something. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't come natural to them. 
to express via words. I've actually experienced this quite often being that I am a words of affirmation person. So how do you go about balancing that in a relationship? Well, here's the important thing. If both of you understand the concept that we have different love languages and each of you share it with the other, their love language, then they have a choice. Now they know what would make you feel loved. And so they either choose to speak your language or they choose not to speak your language. Now, here's the good news. You can learn to speak any of these love languages, even if you did not receive them as a child. For example, if words of affirmation is, is his number five and you're number one, and he didn't get affirming words growing up, uh, it will be harder for him to learn this language, but he can learn it. Uh, because you can learn every one of them. In fact, I said to a guy one time who told me that his wife's love language is words of affirmation. And he said, I don't know how to say things like that. I said, okay, get a sheet of paper and just write down everything you hear other people saying, you know, to, to their spouses and, uh, and or things you hear on television that people say to each other, write them down, stand in front of the mirror, read them out loud until you kind of feel comfortable saying them mm-hmm. and then walk in the room and say one to her and run. so we take baby steps just like learning a spoken language it's hard to learn another language but you can learn it yeah so that's the key but if a person knows your love language and they're making no effort to speak it that's a red flag waving yeah because if they're not willing to learn to speak your love language when you're dating don't think they're going to learn it if you get married. Okay. Yeah. You preach that for sure, Gary. And what I have come to learn, and I'll just say this from my experience is that it's also, let's say that person isn't a strong at your love language. They don't do a great job of it, or it doesn't come naturally to them. What I've had to learn is also balancing my own expectations to really notice when they are trying. Maybe it isn't extravagant, for example, but it's something. And for me, I I know for me, I really have to recognize those little steps and not have an expectation that this isn't their love language. And so they need to go from zero to 60, you know, like I have to to recognize everything. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, you're recognizing the reality that they're in the process of learning. Uh, So you have to be patient with them and give them time. And, uh, you know, and thank them for the things they do. Uh, When you see them make steps, you know, you say, that's good. That makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Like thanking them for what they are doing. Okay. So my other thing is kind of on the flip side. So let's say you, it's you. And so let's, I'm going to just give the example for myself. I'm words of affirmation, but now on the flip side, my partner doesn't, I'm trying to do their love language as well as I also am giving them my love language because I yeah. love giving words of affirmation. Like we just said, maybe 75% yeah. or people do that naturally, but they don't really receive it that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how yeah. do you, what do you do about that? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can't expect them to get as much emotional energy out of words as you get. Mm-hmm. See, it's recognizing that my words, it's, it's okay to give words. Listen, we can receive love in all five languages. Nobody's going to turn away from any one of these. It's just that if words of affirmation is not my primary, it's maybe two or three down the line, and you're giving me lots of words of affirmation because that's your language, it doesn't mean I don't appreciate those, but they don't really speak to my heart as deeply as they speak to your heart. And so you have to realize that and just realize, okay, I'm going to continue giving words of affirmation because that's just who I am. But I'm going to also be learning how to focus on their love language because yeah. the, the objective is to communicate love to them in a way that's meaningful. 
Right. Okay. I love that. And it's, it's also to say like, again, it comes back to expectations. What I've learned, it's like, I can't expect them to feel it. Like you said, how I feel yeah. it, you know, like right, right. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, still absolutely. give it and just be released to the expectation of how they may receive it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So something else in a dating relationship, you know, I think something, there's a stigma that sharing your love language needs comes off as needy. And I'd like to break that stigma a little bit. Would you be able yeah. to kind of shed some light on that? Yeah. Well, let's face it. First of all, we are all needy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And our deepest emotional need is the need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. So all of us need love. And uh, if we don't get it, the relationship really doesn't go you know, very well. So I think, first of all, we have to understand that we are all needy. But I understand what you're saying. I've often had people say this in terms of, uh, of gift giving. They say, you know, my love language really is gifts. When people give me a gift, it just says to me, man, they were thinking about me when we were apart and they bought something that they knew I would love. Oh, man, this really speaks to me. But they say, it makes me feel like I'm materialistic. You know, I want right. gifts all the time. Yeah. And it's not that I that I want expensive gifts. It's just I want tokens that they're thinking about me, you know. And so I think we have to recognize that, that none of these love languages, nothing wrong with any one of these love languages, and they do not communicate to the other person that, uh, you know, there's something uh, weak about you. It's just that we are all, we all desire love. And so we have to we have to recognize that and not feel badly about having a particular love language because they feel like, well, you know, why do I always have to be praised? And your words of affirmation is, do I have a low self-esteem and I have to have those words to build me up? Uh, well, I don't know. It could be, but you could have low self-esteem and have any love language. I think we just have to recognize that there is a tendency that you can put yourself down because you have a particular love language uh, and feel like, well, you know, I shouldn't be coming across like this. But as long as we understand, both understand the concept, then we won't have that problem. Yeah, you're actually touching into something else I had a note on, Gary, which was just like some of the negative thoughts associated with some of the love languages I've had in the past. For example, going back to words of affirmation, a man said to me many, many years ago, like, I don't believe in giving that to you because I believe you need to get your affirmation only from God. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Oh, okay, well, I mean, I do <laughs> want to get it from God, but also, like, so um, he, he just refused to even try. Right. And he yeah. kind of was, it was taking the negative parts of like, if we look at it uh, and, and I do believe like, yeah, to your point, like maybe we, we are getting overvalidated and we need to check in with ourselves on that as well. But I do think I, I had another note, like you brought up that gifts is materialistic, or then I also have that touch, uh, you know, means it has to, you, you're always going to cross physical boundaries and have to be super physical with, with yeah, the, yeah, that love yeah. language, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, yeah, and I understand that. Yeah, I can understand that. But I think if we understand that these are ways of we're in terms of God loving us, we become God's hands and God's voice. You know, God uses us. The, in fact, the Bible says the love of God flows through us into others, you know, through our heart to others. So uh, you say you need to get your, your affirmation from God. Okay. But you're one of God's children. 
So God would like to use you if you're going to be, if you're going to date me, yes. <laughs> he'd like to use you to speak yes. something to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that we're debunking these things. Cause I'm just hoping and praying that people, as they hear you talking about this, Gary, and explaining it, that they can feel more confident and in knowing what they need and that there, we can have needs that can be, that can and should be expressed. And that doesn't mean that we're just like this terrible person that like can't, do life without that. You know, like we have yeah. emotional needs to your point, yeah, you know, and absolutely. we can absolutely. walk around confident in that. And I think, I think in dating, if someone refuses, they understand this concept and they refuse to speak your language. Like a man told me, a married man told me one time, he said, Dr. Chapman, my wife and I took the quiz and, uh, and she tells me her love language is acts of service. Mm. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, and I'll tell her, if it's going to take my washing dishes and my vacuuming floors for her to feel love, she can forget that. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I said, well, that's your choice. I mean, love is a choice. And yeah. if you choose to live with your wife and her have an empty, what I call an empty love tank, then, you know, that's your choice. You know, I said, I much prefer to live with a wife who has a full love tank. I said, my wife's language is also acts of service. And I said, man, I wash dishes. I take out the trash. I vacuum the floors, you know. It, I mean, it's a small price to live with a happy woman, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> happy wife equals happy life. That's the phrase, is it not? <laughs> That's right. All right, you guys, I have a message quickly for my lady friends. I am in my 30s and I am yet to be married. As such, it's crossed my mind a time or two about my fertility status. Now, if you're a woman, especially over 30, you've probably thought about this as well. And if I'm being that much more honest, I just haven't really wanted to go to the doctor to figure out where I stand with my fertility. But if you're curious like me about your fertility and want to stop being anxious about something you just have no idea about, then I want to share with you a brand that can possibly ease your mind here. It's called Modern Fertility. Modern Fertility makes finding out about your fertility possible with easy at-home fertility hormone testing. When it comes to fertility, I've just thought, oh, I'll just wait and see what happens. But some of that is a bit odd in terms of logic because do we wait and see what's going to happen with our finances or career or school? Why do we do wait and see when it comes to something as important as fertility? I believe in this space, knowledge is power, and I want you to be able to make the best decision for your body, your health, and your future. There aren't many decisions bigger in life than having a child, but for many women, when it comes to fertility, it's a big question mark and it can cause so much anxiety. So that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. All you have to do is mail in your results with a prepaid label and you'll get personalized results back within 10 days. Now, traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility is only $159 to get the exact same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com heart, you can get $20 off of your test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility as well. You guys, it's so great. You will get insight into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags that might be happening. And you can also talk one-on-one -on -one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. So if you do want kids today, or maybe one day, I wanna encourage you, get the information you need right now so you can start preparing for that decision in your life. Go to modernfertility.com heart, and you can get $20 off your test today.
Okay, I actually had somebody else brought this up, which I thought was kind of interesting, but is it at all common and do you ever see it happen that our primary love language may shift in different seasons of life? Does that ever happen? You know, I think uh, it uh, the love language, like many other personality traits, tends to stay with us for a lifetime. But having said that, uh, yes, I think there may be certain seasons of life uh, that a love language may uh, change. For example, if you take a mother who has two preschool children, acts of service may not be her primary love language, but probably during those years, it's going to jump to the top because she's overwhelmed with so much that has to be done. So uh, I think, yeah, there may be seasons of life and situations where another love language might, uh, you know, might temporarily uh, jump to the top. But I think basically it tends to stay with us for a lifetime, just like a lot of other personality traits. That makes sense. I agree with that as well. You know, there's different things out there. Like I'm also a fan of the uh, psycho spiritual, like the structure tool called the Enneagram. And uh, I have used that a lot. And I do find that like, though I am all nine types of that, like I, we all are, we all carry everything, you know, and, but I, I do still primarily reside in my specific Enneagram type. And I have always found that true with uh, the love languages, though I will admit this to you, Gary, I took the test years ago and I've retaken it, but I did misidentify myself. I've always known words of affirmation was number one, but then the other ones that were high on my list, I kind of misidentified because I actually didn't fully understand what quality time meant. And I used to think that was like my number two and I realized, oh, it's not. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's true. I think some, sometimes people misdiagnose themselves and then later on they realize, oh no, that's not my primary language. Yeah, yeah. This is my primary. Yeah. So. Okay. So the, kind of a funny question for you, but I've been really thinking about this and my roommate, for example, her primary love language is physical touch. And then it would be next quality time. And so we are in a very weird, um, unique season. So, and there are a lot of single people who listen to this podcast. So for single people whose primary love language might be physical touch or quality time, how do we do that? Especially during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, I wrote a book some years ago, uh, a military edition to the five love languages in which I talked about how do you speak these love languages when you're deployed, you know, which is long distance. And, and so now in the COVID, if we're separated, you know, because of, of space and all that now, many of those things would apply. For example, uh, one lady said to me, I knew my husband's love language was physical touch. So while he was deployed, I put my hand on a sheet of paper, I traced my hand uh -huh. and I mailed it to him with a note that said, put your hand on my hand. I want to hold your hand. Oh, so sweet. When he came home, he said, Gary, every time I put my hand on that paper, I felt her. Oh, <laughs> that is awesome. So, wow. you know, there are ways that we can do that. Uh, like, of course, you know, being in the roommate thing, you can always elbow and pat on the back or, you know, some things, you know, some things like that. Yes. Uh, but, uh, I think when you when you are not able even to be together, and sometimes in a dating relationship, you know, one of us lives in Los Angeles and one lives in you know wherever. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, we're corresponding with each other, but you can spend quality time, for example, online with yes. each other. You know, face, FaceTime together. Yeah. So in today's world with technology, it's much easier to speak uh, some of these languages than it would have been, you know, back when I was younger. 
That's so true. Even with gifts, like you can order something off Amazon and have it shipped in two days with a little gift packaging. Yeah. 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 It's so funny as you're saying that I'm realizing a girlfriend who's in my little COVID group the other day, she's gifts. And and I'm just remembering how she brought me over flowers. And I, as we're talking, I'm realizing, oh, it's because she also just loves being able to give that gift because I didn't bring anything. I didn't have anything for her. I'm like, ah, that made me feel so loved to also receive it from her in person. Yeah, absolutely. That's another factor. You know, when you realize the other person person's language and you see them speaking it to you you know it really it's really meaningful to them i mean it, this is this is a top notch for them yeah so you you see it as that you know and you you give them emotional credit for it yeah i love that okay so kind of another oddball question but when you were developing this concept and doing all the research for it, did you ever have like any, like a sixth love language that never made it in or anything like that? I've, I've been so curious. Yeah. yeah, I've often been asked that question. And one guy said to me, Dr. Chapman, the sixth love language is chocolate. Oh my gosh, hilarious. And I said, well, I said, if they bought it, it's a gift. Oh. If they made it, it's an act of service. <laughs> Wait, I do have a question for you because my sixth love language would be advocacy. Someone showing up and sp- supporting what I do, believing in me. Is that still words of affirmation? I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, it matters. It, it depends on how they express that. Yes. You know, advocacy or what you're saying there in terms of being there for the person, you know, showing up for them, believing in them. That really is the heart of what love is all about, you know, whatever the language is. You're trying to communicate to them, you're valuable to me. I, I value you. I, I want to enhance your life. Anything I can do to enrich your life, you know, I want to do. I mean, that's love is the opposite of selfishness. Selfishness views all the world in terms of what am I getting out of this? And that's when people bail out of relationships, when they feel like, well, I'm not happy anymore. It's not meeting my need anymore. And they bail out. Love is I'm here for you. You know, I'm here to enrich your life. Tell me, what can I do that would make your life easier? So uh, I think in a sense, uh, what you're describing as advocacy is kind of a, it, it's just, it's what love is all about. Yeah. It's, it's being for the other person. Ah, oh, that's so true. Okay, one more to throw at you. But what, so as women, there's a lot of women in our community. There's lots of guys as well. But women are always saying, one of the ways I feel loved is when the guy plans. And so does that fit into <laughs> like planning? And I've joked around with girlfriends, like planning is our sixth love language as women. Like we just love when a guy plans, you know? Yeah. Well, that probably comes closer to anything I've ever heard as being a sixth love language. And I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Because it's th- he's taking uh, leadership and saying, I value our relationship so much that I'm willing to plan a date night, you know, something we're going to do. Uh, so I, I can see that. Uh, on the other hand, I would put it as a, probably as a, uh, a dialect of uh, acts of service because it takes time and energy to plan something. And in that way, he's serving you when he does that. I think the other thing I would just say uh, also, sometimes physical touch, people think, always think of the sexual relationship, uh, but th- that they're not to be equated. Uh, you know, physical touch is affirming touches. It's not, it's not always the sexual part of marriage. And sometimes people think, well, all men have physical touches. Exactly. That's the cliche. Exactly. Yeah. And that's not true. That's absolutely not true. Now, no question about it. Men and women are different sexually and our motivation can be different, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, but don't don't assume that physical touch, you know, it has to always be uh, sexual in nature. 
Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I had a note about that as well. There is a huge cliche that all men are just physical touch. And I think there's so much that goes into that. If you didn't receive physical touch as a child or you received it in maybe even an abusive way, you might actually be afraid of physical touch in some ways. And, and uh, push away from it. So, and that can yeah. happen to either gender, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other thing I think in a dating relationship we have to know is this. Yeah, I wrote a book some time ago. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's mm-hmm. called Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. Yeah. And and one of the things I say in that book is, I wish I'd known that there's two stages of romantic love. Mm-hmm. One is the in love stage, which is totally euphoric. You know, it's just a super, super high. We feel like this is the most wonderful person we've ever met in our life. Everything about them is wonderful. Uh, you don't have to even think about it. You just you just want to be with, with them all the time. But what I didn't know, no one ever told me this, that that stage of romantic love has an average lifespan of about two years. And we come down off the high. And my wife and I had been dating for two years before we got married. So I came down pretty soon after the honeymoon. And I was absolutely floored, you know, what happened to all those feelings I had for her, you know, and our differences emerged and we didn't know how to solve conflict. So we ended up arguing with each other and ended up saying hateful things to each other. And I'm six or seven months into the marriage. I'm thinking, man, I have made a huge mistake here, you know, and that's why I'm so empathetic with people in my counseling office, because I went through all of that. But I didn't know that we do come down off the high. Everybody comes down off the high. And that's why the love languages really kicks in, really becomes important that I speak her love language and she speaks my love language. And if you do, you hardly miss the high because you still feel love. You know, it's just that you have to be much more intentional when you come down off the high. And I think a lot of dating relationships, uh, if they date long enough, they come down off the high before they ever get married. And then they say, well, I don't think we should get married because I don't have those feelings anymore. And they go through all of that before they get married. Whereas if they understood the love languages and they communicated each other's love language, uh, they would still have the, they would still feel loved even when they come down off the high. And then they could decide about marriage based on other issues, you know, rather than just on the feeling issue. Yes. I think you touched on it earlier too, when you said that it is a choice, love is a choice. Choosing these things are so much a choice, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I I love that you bring that up because I've definitely been in relationships where it's just like that euphoric, you know, infatuation. Oh my gosh. I don't, you know, I can, can't, I feel like I I have to spend every second with this person. And I've also been in relationships where I care about that person, but it's been a little bit harder. And almost in those times, it's helped me to say, okay, how it's challenged me so much more, but it doesn't mean that relationship is necessarily wrong. It could be, but it also means that, you know, how can I figure out how to best love this person? And maybe it's good sometimes that I'm seeing that early on. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing, Kate, I would say is I hope that the singles who are listening mm. uh, would understand this concept applies in the relationship with your parents oh, wow, yeah. and your siblings yes. and your work associates, not just dating relationships. And I deal, I deal with that, you know, in the, in the singles version of the five love languages. Uh, because there are a lot of single adults that I encounter in my counseling office who have a fractured relationship with their parents. And often it's because they don't feel loved by their parents because, you know, certain things have happened in the past. But looking back and, and asking yourself, did they speak any one of these languages to me? And you might find out they did. And, and it's, now you can say, oh, they were loving me. I just didn't get it because they weren't speaking my language. So this can be a first step in a healing process 
for single adults in relationship with their parents or their siblings or, or sometimes a work associate as well. Yeah, it is so important too. I'm so glad you said that, Gary, too. I, we talk about the relationship, not just in dating, but with God and with yourself. And part of that is healing some of the relationships that may have been broken in your previous family of origin, you know, and really looking at those and saying, hey, I'm showing up in this way, feeling fearful that I'll never be loved in a certain way because maybe that's how it was because I didn't receive the love I thought I needed in my childhood. So let me identify yeah, I, those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Those relationships can be healed. Yeah. Gary, before we go, I asked every guest, and this has just been so amazing, but the, the last question I would ask you would just be, do you have any last final nugget of dating advice for the listeners today? <laughs> I would say walk, don't run in a dating relationship. Yes. <laughs> you know, I find that sometimes, particularly as singles get a little older, uh, then they, they fall in love, they get these euphoric feelings and they say, well, let's, let's go ahead and get married. So they get married six months after they've been dating. Yeah, uh, That's running. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is walk in a relationship, don't run in a relationship and give yourself time. And if you really are begin to think about marriage, Take a book like my book, Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married, and work through that book. You know, read that book and discuss it with each other. And, and it'll help you see whether you, whether you really, uh, you know, you can make a wise decision if you work through something like that before you make that final decision to get married. So, yes. yeah. That's so good. Oh, Dr. Chapman, I'm so grateful for you today. I personally learned so much and it was so cool, especially to have you on for our 100th episode. So just thank you for all the work that you've done to pour into relationships. And it is so healing. Your work is transforming lives. I know mine has been so affected by it. So I just so appreciate you taking the time today to share all of this with us on Heart of Dating. Well, thank you, Kate. It was good to be with you. And thanks for what you're doing because single adults need the kind of thing you're doing. So keep oh. up the good work. Thank you so much, Gary. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, my friends, I hope you enjoyed hearing from today's incredible expert. There are a lot of stigmas around mental health, and I hope that with this Heart of Dating Select series, we can begin to break those stigmas. There is truly no shame in needing to work on yourself or get help. And even more so, I think it is actually the wise thing to do to admit that you can't do it alone and you need to talk to someone. Last thing I want to say here, if you want to stay connected with us, come over and join the party on Instagram at at Heart of Dating and at Kateness. We have tons of new, helpful and fun content up there each and every week just for you. And then lastly, if you want to get more connected with others in this Heart of Dating community, make sure to check out our private Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash heart of dating. In this community, we have upwards of 6,000 singles doing life together each and every week. So make sure to check it out there. All right, y'all, that's it for today's Heart of Dating Select episode. I will see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 